So there are two things at Riverstone that you can count on that are just, these things are going to happen, okay? Number one is the Christmas Eve service will be on Christmas Eve. <laughs> We're just good about that. Um, the second thing you can count on is that the Christmas tea will sell out uh, quickly. So it's just that. It's just the way it is. It's the way it goes. Now, I want to say this about that. I, I don't need to promote the Christmas tea. I don't, it may already be sold out. I don't know. But, but you need to know this. Um, Anita Corsini is not just somebody who's famous because of HGTV. Um, we've known Ken and Anita since they were college students at the University of Georgia. They actually met at the Wesley Foundation. And uh, she has a story. And if you're coming, just know that you're, you're coming not to hear about how to decorate houses. Um, she, she has a story. It's a faith story, uh, her journey with the Lord. And uh, they're an incredible couple. Uh, some of you may remember Ken actually led, helped lead worship when we first started uh, Riverstone years ago when Bill Tanner was worship uh, pastor. Ken played with Bill a few times. And so uh, we have a, a strong connection, a long connection with them and look forward to hearing her story. So if you're coming, it's going to be great. You can look forward to that. Be praying for her also as she comes. So you remember, uh, I remember at least, back when I was in Sunday school, in uh, elementary age in particular, uh, our teacher would do this thing where we'd have the scripture lesson for the day and we would sit in a circle and, and he or she, whoever the teacher was, would make us read out loud. Yeah, you all remember that? Round robin reading. Oh my gosh, who thought of this? horrific idea. Were they trying to get people to stop coming to church or what? I don't know. But we would sit, you know, and, and she would say, uh, okay, you know, you read the first two verses and you read the next two and you read, and I'm sitting in the circle and I'm just counting, you know, around to find, okay, what verses do I read? And hopefully it doesn't have any of those crazy names in it that I can't pronounce. And so I didn't hear what anybody else read right? I just focused on my two verses and I read them over and over and over and over in my head until it was my turn, right? Anybody remember that? Okay, so we're going to do that. So <laughs> Psalm 107, and I want you to read with me. We're going to do it, but see, the thing is, we're going to do it together. I'm not going to say like, you have to read the first verse and you have to read. We're all going to read together, but I want us to do, do, read it together but here's, here's the great thing about Riverstone. If you're having right now trauma and you're remembering Sunday school, there are two things I have to say to you. Number one, Sozo is your friend. And number two, you don't have to read out loud if you don't want to. But if you do, I think it'll be good. I think, I think you will feel the living word of God in your lungs as you speak it. Okay? So, let's do this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, 
whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their heads down and hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea he hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, 
He pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Psalm 107, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some of you have been in church before. How about that? All right. So, this is Thanksgiving week, and honestly, it's one of those things I love and hate. You know, it's like we set aside one week a year to be thankful. Every week is Thanksgiving week. For the people of God, every week is Thanksgiving week. And we have so much, so much to be thankful for. Now, we've just read Psalm 107. The main point of Psalm 107 is be thankful for God's steadfast love and the works he does for his children. Be thankful for his love, his steadfast love, and the works that he does on behalf of and for his children. So we're going to walk through that uh, today for a few minutes and then try to do some things at the end that will maybe activate thankfulness in our hearts and, and shift uh, the atmosphere uh, for many of us. So we give thanks to the Lord because, number one, and there, there are several things through this passage, uh, but I'm just going to walk through a few of them. Number one, we give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Now, we say that a lot. We talk about his goodness. We talk about the fact that, that he is good. But have you ever stopped to consider the alternative? What if he wasn't? What if he was still in charge? What if he was still God, but he wasn't good? What if we were on the wrong side of things? It would be a little different. And so the next time you stop to think about the goodness of God, don't just pass through, okay, God's good. Yeah, I've known that my whole life. Stop and think about the significance of his goodness. The fact that God is good, the fact that God is for us is truly something to be thankful for. Let, let me tell you, if, you, if there is an almighty God who is over and above everything, trust me, you want him to be good. You do. You want him to be good. And so first and foremost, we're thankful because God is good. Now, the second thing is we're thankful because his love is steadfast. Now, that's a word that we don't use much. Uh, we, you probably, how many of you have used steadfast in normal conversation this week? Okay, right here, one, one guy. One person, steadfast. What, is it, what does it even mean? Uh, we would say, you know, just off the cuff, I would, I would say, okay, steadfast probably means that it doesn't change. Let me tell you what else it means. It means, it almost, it almost means that God's love is stubborn. Steadfast means he has decided and he is unwavering. He will not change his opinion of you. 
His love for you is steadfast. His love for you is unwavering. He has decided on it. It's not something that he contemplates every day. He's decided. The decision is made. He's for you. And he's not going to change. So we're thankful that his love is steadfast. We're thankful that he is powerful. In this passage, 107, it, goes, it says over and over and over again that we're thankful for the things that God does for his people. We've heard testimonies today, and I've heard testimonies uh, through the week. I've visited a couple of cell groups this week, and I heard testimonies in those places of things that God has done, healing that he has performed, miracles that people are experiencing because we have a God who is powerful, who is able to do stuff and does stuff on behalf of his children that we can't do for ourselves. So he is powerful. Uh, we're thankful because he satisfies our soul. He satisfies our soul. He, he gives spiritual food to those who are hungry, and he gives spiritual drink to those that are thirsty. How many of you have, have experienced just that satisfaction? It's not a, it's not a physical satisfaction, but it's, it's deeper than that. It's the spiritual satisfaction of God touching your soul and filling you with his presence and with his goodness. And you just, you're overwhelmed by that sense of God around you and in you. He satisfies our soul. He delivers us from trouble. He delivers us from trouble. I have uh, one of my favorite stories in all, all of Scripture is the uh, story where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, you know, and the storm comes and Jesus is asleep. And I, I don't know. Was he really asleep? Was he just, was he pretending maybe? I, I don't know. But it would be, in my mind, it would be like Jesus to just be over there just, you know, let's see what they do. My, uh, my grandson, Charlie, is putting in, uh, he, he was having a hard time going to sleep last night. He, I don't know. I think he just, when he spends the night with, at, at our house, he just is wired. And so finally, you know, I go up and after hours of trying to get him to sleep, I go up and I said, let me, you know, I'm just going to lay down with you for a little bit. And I tell him a couple of stories. He tells me a, a story. And then I said, now, now we're going to play a game. Y'all know the game, right? Quiet as a mouse. I'm a, one, two, three, quiet as a mouse. You know how to play this game? He said, yes. And so I said, one, two, three, quiet as a mouse. And Charlie goes, <laughs> and I knew his game was over. You know, I, he was pretending to be asleep. And I, want, I don't know, maybe Jesus was pretending just to see how the disciples would go. But maybe, maybe he was just tired, needed to sleep. But what we do know in this story for a fact is that the disciples come to him and they're like, Lord, we're going to die. And he sits up in the boat and he says, stop. Be still. And the wind just stops. And that's, that's who he is. That's what he is able to do when we are in trouble. He stills the storms. He makes them quiet. We're thankful because he heals. I had a testimony this morning. I was healed of cancer. I've gone back for my second checkup. Still, no cancer. He heals. 
He breaks down walls. Uh, you know, in the context of relationship, when, when you realize and recognize that, that relationship is really the thing that makes life uh, work, and it, you know, it either makes it or breaks it, and, and relationship is so key and so important, and that's why in, in the creation story, the only thing that God says is not good is when man is alone. Because he wants us. He created us for relationship with himself and for relationship with each other. And, and sometimes there are walls that get in the way uh, of relationship. And, and God breaks down walls. And I, I want to say to some of you, this week is an opportunity. Because sometimes the walls in our life are most noticeable with family. I don't know, maybe you know, it's because they know us so well, and we know them so well. There's something about that being familiar that sometimes makes you pull back. But if you have family walls, you have an opportunity this week. If you haven't started already, start today praying, God, I pray that this week would be a week where walls would come down and, and Real relationship, true community would happen around the table with my family at Thanksgiving. He breaks down walls. He responds to our cries when we don't deserve it. You read through this passage in 107, people are doing bad things. They're going the wrong way. They're making bad choices. But when they cry out to the Lord, he, he delivers them. Not because they deserve it. Not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, but because that's what he wants. He wants to deliver you. He desires it. We're thankful because he brings his river to the desert. Let's read through this passage. It says that uh, rivers become deserts. Rivers become deserts when we move away from him, when we, when we choose to turn our back on him. But then when we cry out to him, he brings rivers to the desert and makes the desert a place of water and a place of fruit. He brings rivers to the desert. He brings fruit where there's no fruit. He defends us, and he is our vindicator. I think maybe one of the things that is most difficult in life is to wait for God to vindicate you. Instead of stepping in there and making a case for yourself, right? I know I'm right. I'm just going to make sure everybody else knows that I'm right. <laughs> but the scripture teaches us plainly that we really have a choice in this matter. We can choose to vindicate ourselves or we can allow God to vindicate us. I don't think we can have it both ways. If we choose to be our own justifier, then we forfeit his stepping up in front of us. And so I would just say it's probably better to let him vindicate us than to try to vindicate ourselves. Now, here is how we want to respond. Throughout this passage, basically what the psalmist does is he, he says, these are the things that we're thankful for, and this is how we show it. 
This is what we're thankful for, and this is how we show it. And so let me, let me kind of work through the different ways that he tells us to show it. Number one, he says, uh, to develop gratefulness in our hearts about these things that we have to be grateful for. Number one, we give thanks. When he says you give, how many of you know the difference between giving and being taken from? Do you know the difference? It feels different, doesn't it? I mean, one is voluntary. You, you have to make a choice to give. Being taken from, you don't have any choice in it. So when he says give thanks, he's saying that we take the initiative, we make the choice to give thanks. And, and when do you do it? Do you do it when everything is going great? Do you do it when the result has come? Or do you do it in the midst of trouble? You do it in the midst of trouble. You give God thanks for things that he hasn't done yet. Give him thanks for the things that he hasn't done yet. Now, you, you can give him thanks for things he's done as well, but you also give thanks for things that you're believing him for that haven't happened yet. So we give thanks as a choice. Second thing that we do is we say so. Okay, can I scold you for just one second? Do I have permission to scold you for a second? I promise it won't last long. Brad asked for five people to come up here and give a sentence of what you were thankful for. He should have said, okay, I want five people to stay in your seat and the rest of you. And then there would have been a fight over who didn't get to come. How many of you would say, I really don't have anything to be thankful for? So what the psalmist is saying is, if you have something to be thankful for, say so. Say so. It is wrong. It is wrong to have things that you're thankful for and not say so. It is wrong to remain silent about the things that God has done, is doing, and will do. Okay? So, that didn't hurt too bad, did it? Good. Okay. Another thing that we do is we cry out in trouble. When you're in trouble, you, you should cry out. I don't care whose fault it was. Sometimes we don't cry out because we think, oh, I did this to myself. Well, most of the time we do. Most of the time we do. And that's not a reason not to cry out. God knows we're going to mess it up. And that's why he's saying, cry out. When you're in trouble, cry out to me. I want you to cry out to me. I want you to. Don't shrink back and close your mouth and, and bow your head in shame and refuse to cry out because you recognize that it was your fault. Jesus died on the cross because it's our fault. Okay? This is not a shock to him. Maybe, you know, let's just be honest. I'm not shocked when you mess up. And you shouldn't be shocked when I do. God is not shocked when we miss the mark. But he wants us to cry out because there is a process that we have entered into by giving ourselves to him. It's called sanctification. 
We are being sanctified. We are being changed by the presence of God in us. We are being sanctified. I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. It's the way Wesley used to describe it. I'm changing. You know what? I mess up less now than I used to because God is changing me. But I still mess up. And when I do, God wants me to cry out to him. Cry out from trouble. Offer sacrifices. What's a sacrifice? Something that costs you something. Offer sacrifices. Be willing to pay a price. Be willing to make a sacrifice for the Lord. Be willing to give not just what's convenient or easy. Make a sacrifice. Offer sacrifices. Be thankful in trouble, not just when God has delivered you from trouble, but be thankful while you're in it because you recognize that there's a testimony coming on the other side. Extol him. That's a great word. Okay, did you use extol this week? Okay, he has not used extol. He used steadfast, but not extol. So extol him in the congregation. Anybody know what extol means? I bet Eric knows. Y'all know what extol means? It means to praise enthusiastically. Some of you extolled yesterday. In fact, your extolling increases in the fall <laughs> on Saturdays for some strange reason. Some of my friends have not extolled a lot this, this fall. <laughs> We're fasting extolling in my family. Extolling is praising enthusiastically. It's not, it's not enough, y'all. It's not enough to just say, yeah, I got a lot to be thankful for. Thanks. Thank you, Lord. That doesn't move heaven and earth. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. <sighs> Extolling. I, I promise you if, you, if if you have an issue with gratitude... If you, as they say, don't have an attitude of gratitude and you want that to shift in you, you should try extolling. You should try praising him enthusiastically. <laughs> it will change you. It will change you. And then it says, praise him in the assembly. Extol him in the congregation. So those of you who are thinking, I can extol, just wait till I'm by myself. Well, he didn't say do that. He didn't say, I, I'm, maybe we can search, maybe we can find a passage where he says, extol me in private. But what this one says is extol me in the congregation where people can hear it where others can actually benefit from your extolling. And I can promise you, those of you who were extolling yesterday, you didn't run to the bathroom and close the door so you could celebrate <laughs> in private. <laughs> 
extol in the congregation, praise in the assembly. He wants us to celebrate him together. In fact, most of what he wants us to do, most of what he's called us to do in Scripture is together. It, it's, a, it's a phrase. It might be overused. You hear it everywhere you go. But I'm telling you, it is the truth. We are better together. We're better together. And, and you will benefit from my extolling, and I will benefit from yours. Okay? Now, here's what we're going to do. Before we go into uh, ministry time, I want you all to stand up. And we're going to do a couple of things. Uh, first, we're going to give thank thanks... That sounded sound like I was from Alabama right there, didn't it? I am. We're going to give thanks for things that haven't happened. Okay? We're going to, we're going to, and we're going to do it loud in the sanctuary, in the congregation. We're going to give thanks for things that we're believing God for but haven't happened yet. Okay? So I'm going to give you a second. Just think. Find your thing, and then I'm going to count to three, and I want you, everybody's going to shout out the thing that you're thankful for that hasn't happened yet, okay? You ready? Don't make me look bad now. <laughs> we, got, we got visitors here. Y'all ready? All right. One. Two, three. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now. We're going, we're going to extol him, okay? Enthusiastic praise. Uh, some, some would call this a victory shout, all right? Now, here's the deal. I'm going to raise my hand, and you don't stop until I put it down, okay? Can you do that? All right, this is... This is Extolling practice. Okay? This is extolling practice, and we'll use it later a lot. Okay? You ready? Are you going to blow that thing? Fantastic. All right. One, two, three.
That, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. All right. Now I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come and get in place. Uh, and, and I want to say this. So we've talked about thankfulness today and we've talked about, you know, thanking the Lord for things that haven't happened yet. But we also want to acknowledge that some of you came here today uh, with heavy hearts. Some of you came here with things that you're wrestling with. Some of you came here needing healing today. And so we, we want to say uh, we're not just passing over you today. Uh, we want to enter into a time now of ministry and just intentional and specific ministry for you. And so if, if you have issues, it's, you know, if when I said today, I want you to thank God for things that haven't happened yet. If there was a part of you that just cringed because you've been waiting for so long, I, I just encourage you to come for prayer today and believe God. He's faithful. Guys, he is faithful. He has never failed and he never will. Okay? Jesus, thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness and your love towards us. We are, we are so thankful, Lord. We are so thankful for your faithfulness. We're so thankful for your power and the works that you do on behalf of your children. And we celebrate that today. And as people come for prayer today, Lord, I pray that they would meet you, that they would experience the life-changing power of Jesus in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.